Welcome to the 21st Century K Podcast. I'm Hannah. I teach elementary school and I help other teachers bridge the gap between traditional elementary and 21st century expectations. In last week's episode, we talked all about the term imposter syndrome, and I shared my journey to learning what imposter syndrome looks like for me and how it has affected my life over the years. Today, we're going to identify the five main types of imposter syndrome and talk about how they can really negatively affect you in the workplace, but also in your everyday life. Thanks for joining. Welcome back to our series on imposter syndrome. Last week, I shared all about a time in my life when imposter syndrome almost got the best of me and how I can look back now many years later and recognize how I overcame it, but how close I came to letting imposter syndrome win. I use that example to go forward with my life, to recognize when I'm affected by it again in many aspects and to try and work past it knowing that if I can change my thoughts and I can change my beliefs, I can change my future. Today we're going to talk about the five main types of imposters and how thinking in these ways can affect your life. The number one category of imposter syndrome is the perfectionist category. This is by far my number one struggle. When you're a perfectionist, you think that everything has to be just so. You think that everything you do should be right the first time and should be near perfect. Most of the time you have high expectations of others, but really and truly that perfectionism is something you save just for yourself. And the fact of the matter is perfectionism is actually procrastination in disguise. I learned that from one of my awesome teacher business coaches. How do you think perfectionism is actually procrastination? Well, it's kind of like this. When you get in a perfectionist thinking cycle, you're constantly waiting until something is perfect, till conditions are right, till you have all your ducks in a row, until you before you take the next step, before you jump in, before you try, before you call the person, before you schedule the appointment, before you try to sell your next big business idea. And what you do is you end up slowing yourself down, stalling yourself out, and convincing yourself that it's not the right time. You continue to spiral until next thing you know, Days, weeks, months, maybe years have passed and you've procrastinated your way into never trying the thing that you were working on from the beginning. Sound familiar? I know it does for me. I am 100% a perfectionist. And the thing about perfectionist people is they don't have to be type A. Like, I'm a perfectionist, but my classroom and my house, they're kind of um, a mess behind the closet doors and in the drawers. (laughs) I'm much more of a type B personality with a little bit of type A and a whole lot of perfectionism, which leaves me kind of a hot mess at the end of the day. (laughs) Maybe you can relate to perfectionism. But maybe you feel 
other types of imposter syndrome. The second type of imposter syndrome is the expert imposter. If you feel feelings of expert imposter syndrome, you believe that someone else is always better than you. That no matter how much you learn and train and research and study and grow and practice and experience, someone else could always do it better. And so you limit yourself and you stop yourself from moving forward because you convince yourself that you don't know enough, you're not smart enough, you're not enough in so many different ways, and that someone else should do it because they're better suited. When in fact, each person has something unique to offer. And another great business coach I've worked with said, there's room for everyone on the playground. Just because you have had similar experiences or want to share similar things doesn't mean that you have to crowd someone else out or that they're going to crowd you out. When it comes to anything in life, you have something worth offering. And when we convince ourselves that someone else could do it better, well, we just limit ourselves and we stop whatever it is we want to do before we ever get started. The third imposter category is the superhero imposter. This is one that I struggle with a lot as a mother. A superhero imposter takes on way too much and gets way too busy trying to do everything themselves to prove that they can, to make other people happy, and to keep from putting anyone else out. The unfortunate thing about having superhero imposter syndrome is that you can very quickly burn out because you're putting too much emphasis on doing for others without help and not enough emphasis on caring for self. The fourth type of imposter syndrome is the natural genius imposter. If you suffer from this imposter syndrome, you think that anything you achieve has been an accident, and that even after learning and even after proving yourself, you still aren't good enough, and someone's going to eventually find out that you are a fraud, that you don't deserve the permission or the you, the position or the achievements you have, and that it was all just some grand coincidence or accident that you landed in the spot you're in. It's like when you win an award and you think you don't deserve it, and someone might find out. I feel this a lot in the classroom. I'm teaching fourth grade now after spending 20 years teaching early primary. This is my second year to teach, and the natural genius imposter is rearing its head for me this year. I know a lot about teaching kids, and I have great classroom management, but I'm still pretty clueless when it comes to knowing how to teach fourth grade standards, and I kind of have this fear that somebody's going to figure it out and say, hey, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe you should go back to kindergarten. Maybe that's where you belong. When in reality, I was trained in college to be a kindergarten through fifth grade teacher, and there's no reason I can't teach fourth grade, I can't learn the standards, and I can't have just as much success with this age as I did with the little kids. It's just that limiting belief and that imposter syndrome, those feelings of inferiority just sort of creep in and make me think that, the situation I'm in is not the situation I'm meant to be in when, in fact, I could be just as successful. The fifth category of imposter syndrome is the soloist. 
I haven't felt this one as much in my own professional or personal life, but I can see where this might affect people in leadership roles, especially school administrators. The soloist refuses to delegate anything because they're afraid it'll be seen as a weakness. Their imposter tells them that if they don't do it themselves and they have to ask for help, then they are inferior, weak, and not deserving of the position of leadership that they're in. As a classroom teacher leader, I can recognize that that's just not true. But the person who feels that soloist imposter creeping in doesn't see it at all. And that's the thing with every category of imposter syndrome. Sometimes you don't recognize it until you stop and reflect when you look back and name your feelings and name your imposters, then you, then and only then can you really begin to see how it affects your personal life. And the thing is, we don't recognize it until we tell ourselves and convince ourselves that these thoughts and feelings are imposters. And by imposters, we mean fake. The thoughts and feelings you have due to imposter syndrome are not real. They are not reality, and they are not, in fact, the truth. When we lie to ourselves and let imposters lie to us, we sell ourselves short, we put limiting beliefs on ourselves, and so many times we get in our own way from achieving goals and dreams and all the things that we want to do, both personally and professionally in life. If you struggle against any of these types of imposter categories, you are not alone. So many people feel the same way, myself very much so included. And the good news is there are ways to battle back against imposter syndrome. There are ways to bring yourself out of it and change your self-talk so that you don't have to succumb to those feelings, and you can achieve your wildest dreams. I can't wait to share some of the ideas that I've found for overcoming imposter syndrome next week. One thing that has helped me the most battle back from my imposter syndrome and recognize where it stems from has been researching, reading articles, reading books, listening to YouTube videos, listening to tons of podcasts on the topic, but also talking to someone else has really, really helped. When you can voice the things that you've been thinking and put them into words, it really helps to think through, to grow through, to reflect, and to improve. That's why I am happy to offer one-on-one coaching calls for teachers who just want to talk through their teacher business ideas. Maybe you have an idea you've been holding on to, but you've been too scared because you've limited yourself, thinking you have to wait until your ideas are perfect, thinking that you're not an expert and someone else is, or thinking that you have to do everything on your own. Those imposters tell us that we'll never be ready to jump into a teacher business. But I'm here to tell you that those are all lies. 
If you would like to sit down and have a chat, I would love to listen to your ideas, help you narrow your teacher business focus, and begin to make an actionable plan on how you can start your own teacher business and get over all the imposter fears that have been holding you back. Be sure to click the link in the show notes and learn all about my one-on-one coaching calls because I cannot wait to meet you and make a new teacher BFF. Thanks for listening.